0: Welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. This one thing is responsible for the death of millions of people. It's responsible for the breakdown of thousands of marriages every year. It's the reason that some people and companies have made millions and millions of dollars. It's also the reason that some individuals and companies have lost millions and millions of dollars. One person described it this way, it is a world of evil. Now, do you want me to make it even scarier? It's in your house. It's in every house, apartment, condo. It's actually a part of you. It is the tongue, our words. In a sense, every one of us is born with it. And parents, right, should get like, new parents should get like a warning label on, uh, with the new baby they get. that says, warning. This child is equipped with a tongue. You will teach it to speak. And one day it will use those words <laughs> to argue with you, to um, ignore you, to criticize you. And it will, they will use their thumbs, even though their tongue and their mouth works perfectly well to speak to you, to talk to you <laughs> instead. <laughs> right. This is the challenge and the uniqueness of words. And words can create a lot of chaos. And I'm not just talking about like dictators um, who use it for racism or companies and individuals that use it to sell stuff to get you to buy or companies whose stock falls because they said the wrong thing or an individual who falls out of favor on Instagram or whatever because they said the wrong thing. I'm talking about their words that are even famous to you. Things that have been said to you that, I mean, there's stuff that's said to me that I've never forgotten. I'm sure the person who said them doesn't remember them, but I've never forgot them. They sort of marked themselves on my life. Or there's words that I've said that I've forgotten, but other people haven't. Or that I remember that I wish that I could take back and I can't. Words have power. Why are we talking about this today? <laughs> well, we're in a series <clears throat> that we are calling Inspired New Life from the inside out. The premise of this whole thing is that God's plan in your life and my life is actually to do the thing that deep down we all want and hope is that he would make us into new people, the new person, the person we long to be, the person we dream we could be, the person he made us to be. And we said that that process is something that happens by God giving us his life. He puts his life into us through his spirit that we breathe in, and that the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God, begins to, over time, slowly, bit by bit, influence us, including our words. That part of the new life or the new person is a new way with words, a way different from, let's say, what we learned growing up or the words we were just born with that came out of our mouth. That part of the new person deals with words. And it's not just kind of better words or let's just learn to speak better or hold our tongue or be nicer. These are the very words of Jesus that can actually be spoken to us and through us. We said that the Holy Spirit, the way God works to change us is by giving us the spirit of Jesus. It's Jesus himself who works his influence on us from the inside out to make us new people. And so we're doing this series to talk about how do we become new people through Jesus. And if you're just exploring faith, like this is what it is. The promise of faith, Christian faith, is new life in Jesus that more and more our lives begin to look like him. And that would include our words. The idea is that through um, spiritual gifts, which we began to talk about last week, that, that, that this progressive change that works in us is through the spirit that begins to give gifts to other people through us. And one of the things that that would um, include is our words. And if I could say it this way, that Jesus says stuff to us and through us. Jesus says stuff to us and through us, that his words come to us so we can actually hear him speak and that his words can come out of our mouths so that others can hear him speak um, through us. We said that spiritual gifts are the way that Jesus becomes visible, audible, felt, experienced through his flesh and blood body on the earth. We said, man, it would have been great if we could have lived when Jesus lived, that we could have seen him in the flesh and heard him speak and know him. But now that actually happens through his flesh and blood body on the earth, the church, that Jesus says stuff to us and through us. Now, you might be like, okay, great, who cares? you know, oh, that's kind of nice is spiritual gifts. It's kind of like the Christian version of Myers-Briggs. You kind of figure out a little bit of who you are and that's okay. And, you know, if you'd like to know that kind of stuff, but I don't, or perhaps you're exploring faith and you're like, okay, whatever. Jesus says stuff to us and through us. Why does that matter? It matters because words are powerful and words in our context um, are, are doing a lot of damage. One author said it this way. Uh, This is a a book, uh, one of the letters written to an early church. He says this, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire By hell. (laughs) I mean, that sounds crazy, but what he's describing is that the tongue is this small thing that can start a raging fire that sets everything on fire. And man, in recent weeks, we've been seeing the impact in our country uh, of wildfires. And and what's interesting is some of you may have seen images, the images of their very visible destruction, like almost hard to conceive of images of people driving through flames. And maybe you know people or related to people who had to vacate their homes, see the visible destruction of the fire that spread rapidly everywhere. But then there was also the impact of like smoke. And like I saw a picture of Yankee Stadium a little while ago, they had to cancel the game because there was a gray cloud that covered the whole stadium. And, and like kind of this haze and this, um, this darkness. And then there's even when you can't see it or can't quite see it, it looks a little bit hazy, but the um, meteorologists and health professionals are telling us there's particulates in the air that are dangerous to our breathing, stuff we can't quite see, but we're breathing it in. Man, doesn't that feel like the impact of some of the words in our world? Right, like Some of us have seen the visible, raging, full-on fire damage of conflict, the conflict of words. Perhaps you grew up in a home where it was really visible, angry, loud fighting, or we see it in movies, or we see it between our friends, or um, uh, in, in politics, or in the media, like loud, angry fighting. But then there's words that are like a negative haze that just kind of sit over top of things like certainly social media. There's a lot of good things in social media, but there's a lot of negativity, toxicity, anger, words that like a cloud hang over us every day, or perhaps you see in your text feed or whatever um, social media platform you're on. And then there's just the fact that like stuff that isn't seen, but it's almost feels like the air we're breathing is an air, air that's filled with criticism, anger, harshness, frustration, conflict, cynicism, all from our words. And James says in this book, this is like a fire. It can set your whole life on fire. And so we need different words. Man, it matters to us. It's good news that Jesus actually wants to say stuff to us and through us. But if we're going to understand why that's such good news and why we need the words of Jesus to be spoken to us and to be spoken through us, I want us to camp out a little bit more on understanding the power of words. And I was thinking that um, if we think about this kind of haze or the fire or the smoke of all of these words, they probably fall into like a few different categories. One is like um, words that are lies. And by that, I mean like words that are distorted pictures of reality about ourselves, about others, and about God. Um, last year, we were doing a series. I mentioned a book by John Mark Comer called Live No Lies, and he made this analogy about lies and how they work in our lives. He says it's like having a mental map or like you'd have a Google map or whatever that you follow that you're using to navigate your life. But there are lies about the street signs and directions and the topography that you don't realize are lies. You think you're following an accurate map of yourself, of who you are, of who other people are, or how God is, but there are lies that are, that are distorted reality, and so you could be heading down paths and ways of thinking that aren't actually true, that aren't actually good, because they're false. We even talked a couple of weeks ago how we can have a false sense of ideas about ourselves, that like the measures of success, and what does it mean to be me, what I look like, and how much money I have, or the clothes I wear, or what I've accomplished in life, or my education, or my relationship status, none of which are necessarily bad things, but they're not they're not true that they define who we are, but we can think, follow a map that says, oh, that's true. That's what it means to be you. But we can live by lies about other people, what they think about us, what, what you know, we believe lies about people who have money or people who don't have money or people who have succeeded or people who haven't succeeded. We believe lies about how people treat us and why they said a certain thing and the motives they have about us. Lies can distort our reality about others. And of course, we can be, believe lies about God about who God is and who God isn't and what God thinks of us and doesn't think of us and how he would treat us or how he would or wouldn't respond. And that shapes the direction of our life of how we're going to live in relationship or perhaps not in relationship to God. So there are words that are lies. They distort reality. And so that's one way words can kind of be destructive force. in our life. That's almost like the smoke, like the particulates that we don't know we're breathing, the lies that we're thinking. But then there are other lies that are words of like manipulate or accusation. Accusation, these aren't lies, these are like truths. <laughs> words that are truth, like that, uh, uh, where we have failed, and things we say to ourselves, we accuse ourselves, we bring up our own failures to ourselves, we heap shame and guilt on ourselves by the words of accusation. We speak, I'm so stupid, I can't believe I always did this. How come I'm never? You're always a failure, you're never going to fix that thing. And even if we're not saying it to us, others are saying it to us, whether directly or subtly or how come you never, or you always need to compare us to other people and why, and you did this and maybe it's, those aren't lies. It's like stuff we have done, but we feel guilt and shame come into our lives or we blame each other, accusations of blame, not lies, but stuff that's truth, but that also destroys us through shame and guilt and blame. But then there are words uh, also that speak, um, that try to manipulate or control us words spoken by advertisers or parents or pastors or politicians or whoever who are trying to get us to do something or not do something or trying to get us to give money or uh, vote for them or obey or do a certain thing or not do a certain thing that we can feel words that can be They're not for us. They're not helping us. They're for the other person. The other person's using words to manipulate us or control us. And so that can have its own destruction in our lives, to think a certain way, to act a certain way, to do something with our bodies or our money or whatever. So there's words that manipulate and control. There are also words that are discouraging or fear-filled. Like even if someone's not trying to discourage us actively, we can be around people or read stuff online or whatever that that makes us feel hopeless, that we get discouraged by the words that we hear or perhaps words that stir up fear. We live in a world that the culture, the media, in a sense, plays off of fear. Fear sells. And so the more we talk or the more we think about this or we talk to this person and now we're suddenly afraid of not having enough money or not being healthy or our kids not getting into the right schools or what if we aren't able to afford a house and it, it breeds fear. The words that we read and that are spoken to us can discourage us or bring fear into our lives. Then there are words that are angry or harsh, that were spoken to us or around us, the environment we grew up in in our home, or the words that we hear other people speaking. Whether they're loud or angry or just subtle or cutting or passive or um, cynical or critical, we can see like the words of harshness and anger affect us. And then maybe even this category, silence, words that need to be spoken but weren't. Were words that weren't said to us that we needed to hear, I love you, I'm proud of you, thank you, I forgive you. Um, words that we needed to say ourselves wh- that we didn't, we aren't open Rather, we aren't grateful, we aren't thanking other people, we aren't forgiving people, or we aren't speaking up when something needs to be said. Friends, look at this list. I hope I'm I'm bumming you out, but like I'm just trying to help us understand words are powerful things. Look at all of the ways that words can, like a fire, destroy, either very visibly, like a raging fire, or more like a cloud, a haze, a, 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 a mass that sits over us, or just particulates in the air that we're constantly breathing. This is the problem and the power of words in our culture. And the good news is, Jesus' words are more powerful. Jesus' words to us and Jesus' words through us are more powerful than lies, than accusations, than manipulation or control, than, um, than uh, abuse or anger or discouragement or fear. And so I just want to take a moment, really kind of before we go on to talk about how Jesus says stuff to us and through us, just to pray. I want to pray for some of you uh, in, in this service who are listening to this who maybe have um, either felt beat up by the words around you, spoken to you or around you or a toxic environment you're in that were harsh or critical or that were lies or whatever, or perhaps some of us who feel like, oh yeah, I'm, I speak those words. Those are my words or I'm, not, I'm silent when I should be speaking. I just want to pray over us because Jesus is the power to break the power of these other kinds of words. And then we're going to talk about how he gives us new words to speak. And so if that's you and you feel like, oh man, like I'm feeling the weight of this in my life, or I'm feeling like this is what I've used my tongue for, let me just pray for you. Jesus Christ, you love us. You are for us. You are our leader, our lover, our friend, our savior, our king. And so in your name, Jesus, we break the power that words of lies or accusation or manipulation or control or discouragement or fear or even the lack of words have done damage in our lives. We ask for your healing over our hearts and our minds where words have done damage (laughs) And we pray also for those of us who have done damage with our mouths, with our words. God, help our words to be, even as we listen to the rest of this message today, to become words that heal and restore and give life and put out fires. Jesus, in your name, we break the power that destructive words have had to us and through us. We ask for something new and powerful and beautiful from you. Amen. Man, so good to be able to recognize that and ask for Jesus' help. And it's such good news to know that Jesus actually says stuff. He speaks new life-giving words to us and through us. That's how we become new people. And we're going to hear from two passages of scripture today that really begin to explain a a few of the spiritual gifts, right? The gifts, the way Jesus speaks to us and through us. Um, Particularly, there's a bunch of different gifts here, but then we're going to listen to them. They're read in two separate letters preserved for us from actually the first century (laughs) to two separate churches written by the same author. And then talk about, okay, what are the ways that Jesus speaks to us and through us? And how can we begin to receive and give good, life-giving, powerful, beautiful, healing words? Let's
1: To another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues all these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in christ we though many form one body Do it cheerfully.
0: I wonder if you noticed um, in both of these passages, it describes the church as the body of Jesus. And I mentioned this earlier today, it's so important to realize that um, Jesus shows up, makes himself visible, and in this case, we're talking about audible, just like he would have been when he first... (laughs) was on the earth in flesh and blood, and people who spent time with him heard him speak. He spoke a lot of things to people. That even though he is not in the flesh here, the the scripture said that we are, as we are flesh and blood, gathering together, we are his body now. Jesus is still present in flesh and blood through his church, and so he speaks to us and through us so we can actually hear his voice. And I think it's just uh, such good news to know that he wants to speak To us and through us in order to bring healing and more power, power over lies, power over accusation, power over discouragement and fear and manipulation and control, like more power through the words of Jesus to heal and restore. And it's really just a recognition that some of these spiritual gifts, like these are a gift, the way Jesus shows up to other people through your life, through my life, um, That these are some of these are gifts of words that Jesus says stuff to us and through us. And I want to zero in on um, some of the gifts of words that are here. And this is not an exhaustive list. I think we need to read these lists as the Apostle Paul, the the author of them, trying to help people understand just how diverse the body of Christ is. That's why he says all these different parts, right? It's one body, it's Jesus present but all the different parts, and he's, he, he's listing a bunch of different ways. Here's all the different ways, or not the all, all of them, but many different ways that Jesus shows up. So let's talk about some of them that are words. Most of those are from the two passages we read. One of them I, I borrowed from another passage of scripture, which we didn't have time to read. But I want to go through a short description of each of these spiritual gifts or the gifts of words, the way Jesus says stuff to you and through you. And, um, and then we'll talk about like what does that look like in our lives? How does that happen? One of the words that's mentioned here is the gift or the words of encouragement. And this is using words, prayer, or scripture so that others are strengthened and inspired as they follow Jesus. Using words, prayers, and scripture so that others are strengthened and inspired as they follow Jesus. Someone with the gift, the spiritual gift of encouragement, when they speak or when Jesus speaks through them, we feel lifted up. We feel like, oh, I can get out of bed today. I can, I can stay in this difficult thing. I can persevere. I feel stronger in what I'm facing ahead of me. I feel more um, committed to following Jesus and staying with him and doing the hard things because of words of encouragement. Another one is words of intercession, the gift of intercession. This is praying with and for people such that they experience the loving presence, power, and provision of God in their lives people with the gift of intercession, it's not like they're praying fancy words. It's just that when they pray with people and for people, people feel like Jesus is praying for them. People feel like Jesus is speaking words to them. they, they, um, They feel his presence when someone with the gift of intercession is praying. It's like Jesus is in the room suddenly through prayer. They may be talking, but as soon as they start to pray, oh my gosh, Jesus is here. Or there's provision. There's like answers to prayer. People with the gift of intercession are often able, like they pray and stuff happens. I mean, these are people you want to know, <laughs> right? Uh, th- that's a gift to someone when you pray with them, when you have the gift of intercession, that's a gift of words. Another one is the gift of wisdom. This is about, wisdom isn't about information. Wisdom is about speaking truth, like something that resonates. When we talked about lies, how we can live by lies, wisdom corrects lies. It speaks truth or the application of something we read in scripture into a given situation, which brings clarity to Jesus' voice and affirms his will. When someone with the gift of wisdom speaks, it's like, oh my gosh, I I understand now, or I was trying to make this decision and things felt cloudy and, and now I feel like I can. Like When someone with the gift of wisdom speaks, it clears away the fog and we feel like we can actually hear Jesus speak, and it's a timely thing. comes right into the situation. Oh, I needed to know that right now. Oh, I had this decision to make, or oh, I was struggling with this. That was wise. That gave me good counsel for my marriage. That gave me good counsel for my finances, or what I should do at school this year. That's the gift of wisdom. Another word's gift is the gift of faith. Someone with the gift of faith, when they speak to us, or spend time with us, or pray with us, there's a supernatural confidence that comes from them that God intends to do something and that we can trust him for it until it comes about. Someone with the gift of faith, when you leave spending time with them, you may not realize this, but you feel like you have a greater confidence in God. Your own faith, right? They're lending faith to you. The fire of your faith burns a little brighter, a little stronger. Like, oh, yes, you're right. I can trust God. Oh, I can persevere in this. Like, It's kind of encouragement, but there's a supernatural trust in God that builds up within you when you spend time with someone with the gift of faith. Then there's the gift of teaching. Teaching is not like, oh, I I know how to teach, or I went and, you know, did teacher's college. There are people who are very effective teaching, but this is a specific kind of words that when it is the ability to explain scripture to people or the things of God, let's say, things about God, to people in a way that helps them, listen, know, love, and follow Jesus more. This isn't about, hey, I have a PhD in New Testament, so I can explain, you know, with the context of this. All that's helpful, but that doesn't necessarily mean there are all kinds of people who have PhDs in New Testament. They don't believe any of it's true. That's not what teaching is, the gift of teaching. It's like, I understand and know Jesus more, and I want to follow him more. It's a teaching that inspires faith and following. Then there are words of knowledge. This one's kind of unique. Some of the ones I've talked about, you're like, okay, I understand. Now we're going to get into something. You're like, what? Like supernatural stuff. Yes, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, about heaven touching earth in some way. Words of knowledge. That's the supernatural capacity to understand or perceive something that otherwise could not be known. And when that happens, when someone with a word of knowledge speaks, the person who hears it or the people hear it go, oh my gosh, Jesus is here. Jesus knew that about me. I've had times where I've gone up for prayer and I don't know the person. They don't know me. I've never been in the church before or the place before. And I don't even tell them what I'm there for. And they begin to pray or speak specifically to a situation that is what I'm dealing with right then. And I'm like, there's no way they could know this. I didn't say this. I didn't have this on my face. I've never been here. They don't know me. I don't know them. That's a word of knowledge. And what I know then in that moment is Jesus knows what's going on. Jesus sees my situation. Um, Jesus is speaking, like he notices me. He knows what's going on. Even if nobody else does, a word of knowledge, it can bring us to a conviction of like, oh my gosh, God is real, or he's here and he sees me. Then there's a word of prophecy. Prophecy, just like this isn't about telling the future. This is about a timely word to a community or a person from Jesus to maybe encourage or correct or redirect or inspire his people. A prophetic word is like a word that's in the now. All of a sudden, eyes are opened, understanding, we're inspired, we're corrected, we're redirected. Um, We know Jesus is here. A prophetic word brings the words of God into the present situation in a kind of immediate, tangible, powerful way, whether to an individual or a community. Then there's two gifts that go together. The gift of tongues, that's like speaking in another or an unknown language. Um, To a community for the purpose of communicating the good news maybe to a new people group I've heard of people who went to a community They didn't know the language, but they were given the gift of being able to speak a language They had never learned so other people could understand it that happened actually in the book of acts That's when the spirit first fell. That's what happened Um, Or just a word in some other not it's not any language that reveals again jesus power when some of this supernatural stuff happens You're like whoa jesus just took over the speech in the room (laughs) And when that happens, then another gift is supposed to come alongside of it, the interpretation of tongues. So someone who's in the room that goes, I don't know that, recognize that language, but I know what that means. (laughs) Um, That's never happened in a public gathering at our church, but it does happen, and it can happen in in prayer meetings and places where we're gathering for asking the Spirit to show up. These are just a few of those gifts, but they're all different ways that Jesus speaks to us and through us, and man... Do we need Jesus' words more than ever? Like, think about this list that I read up against this other list of lies and accusation and discouragement and shame and blame and anger and harshness and silence. Don't we need these words of faith, of love, of teaching, of encouragement, of wisdom, right, of prophecy? Like, we need the words of Jesus in our present situation, But as we close here, you might be thinking, well, how do I know when Jesus is speaking to me? How do I know when Jesus is speaking through me? So like, let's say somebody says something, or you hear a sermon, or someone is praying over you, or someone comes up to you and says, hey, I had this prophetic word for you. How do you know whether Jesus is speaking to you? Well, one is I think like sometimes the impact, I know the impact, I feel like this is no ordinary human words, or this is someone I know, or someone who doesn't know me, but how is this landing right now with power? The impact or the timeliness of it. Some of you know, a little while ago, our, son, our middle son, Joel, had a major facial injury, smashed his face really badly. And It happened on a Monday, and Monday night, we were at Sick Kids Hospital, and the doctor had come to see us, a neurologist specialist, they were thinking maybe they might have to do brain surgery if the fractures had affected his brain, or uh, if the orbital bones had pinned down the muscles, they were gonna have to do emergency eye surgery. So they told us that, and then left the room, and they were gonna come back. My phone at 11:45 45 p.m. I get a text from a friend of mine. He's actually my spiritual director. Never texts me late. He just says, something's up. I'm praying for you. Are you okay? <laughs> and I write back. I'm like, I'm not okay. I'm crying. But I showed Joel, who's sitting there all bandaged up in the hospital. I said, Joel, God is speaking to our friends to get us to pray for us. Man, was Jesus <laughs> speaking? For sure he was. It was timely. But then it should also line up with what we already know Jesus has said and done through scripture, right? Like if a word comes to you or you hear something that is really different or contradicts who Jesus is and what he did already say in scripture, this is why you need to be in scripture to know the voice of Jesus. We have four of his biographies. This is a living word of God who speaks all the way from front to back. Um, it doesn't mean every bit of it is God speaking. There's other things, of people speaking, people doing stupid stuff. But all the way through it, we see the voice and presence of God and then Jesus himself. The more we know it, the more we can test when a word comes. We go, how do I know that that's Jesus speaking to me? But then how do I know if Jesus is speaking through me? The short answer is you won't know. Mostly not at the beginning mostly not often. It's not like we go, I am a prophet, thus said the Lord. I always am suspicious when people say like this, God told me to tell you this. I'm like, okay, how do I know God's? Fe- I don't know. Sometimes I'll say, Hey, listen, or I'm praying for someone and saying, Hey, I'm not sure if this lands, but here's what I'm sensing or here's what I'm hearing. You just have to try. You have to take the risk to open your mouth. How do you know if you have the gift of encouragement unless you're speaking words of encouragement to people? And over time, they start to say, man, when you sent me that text or when you called me, I got up off the floor, or I felt like I can do this when I was ready to quit. Um, how do you know whether you have the, the gift of teaching unless you are, you know, you read something in scripture and you share it with somebody and they say, oh my gosh, like I never saw things that way, or that's helping me see Jesus? <laughs> how do you know if you have another one I didn't even talk about is the gift of evangelism, where people have words that can help people actually know and see Jesus for the first time? How do you know if you don't actually ever speak about Jesus to other people? you have to take a risk. Um, how, this isn't about being a words person or not a words person, or I'm more of a reflective. No, we all have to take a risk in saying, I'm going to use these words in some way. And, and as we feed back to each other in the church, the impact we're having, God spoke through you. Then I'm like, oh, maybe is God speak, God is speaking through me. And so here's what I would say, just as a next step. You got to say something. <laughs> say something. And, and first, I mean, tell someone that Jesus spoke through them. That's one of the first things we can do in the church is when we have felt God speaking to us through another person, tell that person. When you prayed for me, when you encouraged me, when you, you know, sent me that scripture, when, when, um, when that, that word that came in service or whatever, I heard you saying that to someone else, that was for me. We need to tell, say something of how to someone else that Jesus spoke through them and Say something to give Jesus a chance to speak through you. A prompting. I should text that person. I should call that person. I should get up and say this. You know, I should offer this. Like, offer our words to take a risk that Jesus can speak through them. You know, today we didn't um, just want to talk about this. We want you to experience it. We want you to experience Jesus speaking to you through other people. We actually have a group of people who over time, that group has grown, that we have invited to listen to Jesus on behalf of other people. We do this often in our prayer ministry when we have a prayer appointment with someone coming up through our prayer ministry. Um, We will ask a group of people saying, hey, we have a woman coming for prayer or a guy coming for prayer. That's all we tell them. They don't know who it is. It's on a separate day or whatever. We just say, can you listen to Jesus? Does Jesus have anything specific to say to them? We'll ask them to listen during our week of prayer or whatever. And we have a growing people who, and they, it's not like they said, oh, I know I have this gift. They just said, yes, I'll be willing to listen. And over time they're discovering they have gifts of being able to hear and speak. Jesus speaks to them and through them. So we asked a group of them to listen ahead of this Sunday for any specific words that Jesus wants to say to his whole church collectively, or perhaps to individuals that are here today. Even if this is the first day you've ever been here. And so they don't know your names or whatever, but they've just listened. And so during the worship time, our our site pastors, they're going to read out. um, We have a couple songs to sing. And in the middle of the, between the two songs, they're just going to read out a, a list, a short list of some of the words that we think we heard Jesus say. And we want you to be listening to say, is this for me? Because Jesus does say stuff to you and through you. And I don't know about you, but we need his words more than ever.